Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion hosted by myself, Michael Hamlet from What Culture, and Andy Murray from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into that, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for daily wrestling podcasts. We review Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite, NXT, pay per views. We have interviews, more wrestling roundtables like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Now, Murray, thank God I've gotten that out of the way. It's always <laughs> nice to do podcasts on great wrestlers, nice, positive content. And we're looking at some of the best of the best today, following some interesting remarks were made by Roman Reigns on the Cheap Heat podcast. You can uh, check the news up at whatculture.com for the full story. But amongst other quotes, uh, Roman noted, quote, this is some of the stuff I said to Jay and Jimmy on screen, but I mean, it's a shoot. It's for real. This is the only way I want to be remembered as being hands down, head and shoulders, better than everybody else on the show, everybody else in the world. They're all trying to catch me. At this point, I feel like within a marathon, we're lapping people because we put so much preparation, so much thought into detail and nuance and trying to deliver the most sophisticated, not confusing, but very respectful stories as we can. Um, first of all, it's interesting hearing Roman speak somewhat out of character on his very well-received last year or so. And, you know, you feel that some of this might be in character too. But what do you make of the comments and what are your thoughts on Reigns in general at present? So, yeah, part part of my my first impression when reading these comments was, OK, well, I mean, part of this is character stuff, right? Because, you know, say calling something a shoot has been the new work since Vince Russo kind of yes. the prominence, hasn't it? So uh, you, you always take comments like this from a wrestler and wrestlers are always working no matter what they say. You always take them with a pinch of character dust. Um, but it's kind of hard to argue his point if he's the if you were to argue that he's the best wrestler in WWE, right? It's 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 an interesting conversation to have, and we're going to have this conversation. That's why podcasts exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but best in the world is a very broad field. We talked about this a little bit on the news video uh, this morning, and so much of it comes into personal preference and everything else. But that being said, like I think I kind of love this mindset 
from him. The idea that, you know, he walks into the Thunderdome or soon to be not the Thunderdome every single week and goes, right, I'm going to have the best segment on the show. I'm going to have the best match. I'm going to do this, that, and the next thing. Um, that, that level of self-belief is very endearing to me in a professional wrestler. Uh, and I like hearing him speaking so bluntly about this. And look, Roman's a smart guy. He knows that when he makes statements like this, idiots like us are going to make podcasts about it. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, people are going to talk on Twitter and people who disagree with him are probably going to get way too angry on Twitter and everything else because um, that's how the game works. But um, the Roman rum, I think for me, I've enjoyed it more in 2021 than 2020, certainly. Uh, I Look, I really like this run. I know that a lot of people maybe feel like some repetitions kicking in on, you know, the weekly segments. And it, it, sometimes it is a bit on the nose when, when Jimmy and Jey Uso are reminding you that they're brothers five times in the same segment. <laughs> but that's kind of WWE really, isn't it? That, that That's a, a WWE problem that impacts everybody. So if you want to kind of extract that, if you possibly can, and look at the stuff that they're doing within that framework. Personally, I'm not sure I'm calling him the best wrestler in the world, but he's, I mean, the standout in his company, certainly, uh, on any brand. I think you're right as well to say that it's very important that a wrestler of his standing and of his level believes that. I think it was always um, Chris Jericho referring specifically to his feud with Shawn Michaels in 2008, that he had to believe that they were the two best in the world at doing this, the way that they were talking about that and the way that that feud was elevated to the title. If you're walking out there, and not believe in that, and you're in that position, then the fans are going to see it. And even that there's none in the building, they're going to see it through the screen. And certainly Roman radiates that type of confidence at the moment. And I think what's most interesting about, and we are going to circle back to that point you've made about WWE and it's like the difficulty within that system, yes. I guess. He's maybe the best of the rest there. But certainly um, Roman now, if you watch him, looks incredibly different to the Roman of even two or three years ago when he was being quote-unquote made by John Cena and it's for all the intangible reasons it's not for anything you can particularly articulate it's just something that he now has that he didn't then and it might be that specific confidence um nothing wrong with having that confidence if you genuinely believe it but we're going to talk about a few other candidates uh sort of maybe that would be I guess across the wrestling landscape rather than just WWE laying similar or better claims um seems only appropriate to start with um the iwgp world heavyweight champion or whatever they're calling that belt now um god i miss the old one and um, but a, a favorite of yours going back several years and somebody that i've really fallen in love with as he sort of rose to prominence in new japan pro wrestling shingo takagi um doesn't really have bad matches but the form in particular he's assembled this year one of the more challenging sort of periods in pro wrestling history has been nothing short of remarkable yeah, oh, absolutely, man, absolutely. And New Japan has had a particularly challenging period through all of this. Um, their empty arena atmosphere, they've got the clap crowds that are, some people like that a lot. Some people find it really sterile and difficult to get into shows as a result of them. Um, the booking has been strange, shall we say? <laughs> strange, but it's been that way for a while. That precedes the precedes the pandemic. And, you know, they've been very interference heavy and everything else. And they've had a depleted roster, but... Shingo, I mean, this might be the best in-ring career of his year so far. And when you think of the ground that covers, this guy's been a tremendous world-class professional wrestler going back to like early in his Dragon Gate days. We're talking 15-odd years or so here. Um, but this year in particular, and the the, the thing I'll, the problem I always have, right, with best in the world debates when you're comparing people from different companies is that Roman Reigns is on TV cutting a 10-minute promo every week 
Yeah. Character work in that segment is pushed to the forefront. Shingo Takagi is doing backstage comments for a minute after every match, but he's going out there and having like a 40 minute main event. So you're comparing people who are doing very different things. But I think the fairest way to do all of this is look at how they're shining in their specific environment rather than trying to go, oh, well, Shingo doesn't cut long promos. How can he be the best in the world or anything like that? But if you want to look at his in-ring form, I mean, it, it, it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. We're talking like, you know, like 2019 Will Ospreay levels of just yeah. every single big match seems to hit such a huge, huge height. Um, he started it off with Jeff Cobb in the Tokyo Dome, had the best match of, probably of Jeff Cobb's career, a real big boy battle, but with some smart limb work uh, incorporated as well. He had like a really classically styled pro wrestling match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, what other kind of match do you have with Tanahashi, <laughs> right? Um, but like a really pure story of like the 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 old tech the old star whose body's a bit more breaking down can't compete with this young bull athletically um the osprey series of course will be many people's favorites uh he's now you know he's just become the iwgp world heavyweight champion for the first time he beat okada another guy he's had great matches with shingle for me is i genuinely think this guy is one of the best wrestlers of all time uh, his body of work stacks up i think against anyone and i appreciate that a lot of people are down on new japan this year and maybe have cancelled their world subscription subscriptions and haven't seen a lot of his output but if you kind of want to navigate the waters of that promotion in the in the year of our ghetto 2021 <laughs> um the the best thing you can do is just seek out shingo's big matches he's explosive he's powerful he's got an aura about him a presence he carries himself so he, I, I honestly think he carries himself in a similar way to roman i'm you know the biggest dick in this room can we say that word i don't know i just did uh, <laughs> i'm the guy to beat and everything else and uh from an in-ring perspective you know not going to make a blanket statement yet on who I think is the best wrestler in the world. But in ring, I can't see anyone else. I think what was quite nice as somebody that is who you've just described there, somebody that's fallen, myself personally, that's fallen away a little bit from New Japan in 2021, felt a bit alienated last year, not just by the clap crowds, but by the booking. And uh, mm-hmm. like, gives me no pleasure to say that, but it's just, it's felt like a product I've struggled to like, stay in touch with as much as I would have liked previously. Shingo as a choice for champion in the fact that the belt was vacated feels way closer to um, an Okada, a Tanahashi or an Omega, a champion that I was more familiar with at the peak of my interest in New Japan as being very much the guy. They're not just putting the belt on somebody to try to see if they can establish a new main eventer. They're going with somebody that is like largely recognized with such critical acclaim that it in turn gets the belt over in itself. And that kind of gives us a nice segue to a bit of a one-two punch we're going to talk about. The ultra-prestigious AEW World Heavyweight Championship, a wonderfully protected belt in the fact that it started life with their very own Ric Flair figure in the form of Chris Jericho, who was a perfect sort of crossover to launch that belt. And then has since travelled through John Moxley and now Kenny Omega. Both men that could lay claim to this that we're talking about here, the, like the best wrestler in the world. We kind of lump them together because they offer very different things as yeah. champion. But in both cases, whilst wearing the belt, they can very realistically be called the best in the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I think Kenny is the the name that most people who mainly consume American wrestling in particular would look at the as the like number one contender to Roman's yeah. tag as best in the world, right? That's probably the conversation um, for a lot of people. And 
while, you know, personally, I sometimes there are occasionally a little, like Kenny Omega's such an ambitious guy and he's probably got more ideas, I imagine, than anyone else in wrestling. He comes up with stuff that nobody's ever thought of before. And when it hits, it is genius level, you know, the kind of thing that has made him such a popular figure and such an innovative figure. But occasionally for me, there are still times when the character, like he'll try a little character thing and it's like, not sure about this angle reading stories in the kindergarten with Michael Nagazawa getting beaten up by kids. <laughs> you know, not not too sure that's that that's that that was such a good one. But I think this week's episode of Dynamite in particular was such a and last week with the Jungle Boy match, such mm. a stark reminder of what Kenny Omega is at his best. That promo cutting down every challenger he's faced so far uh you know refusing to even name hangman page um he's such an important figure in the hangman page arc which is one of the most compelling character arcs in all of wrestling over the past few years and obviously you know the the match the match quality ceiling is ridiculously high uh ray phoenix versus omega from earlier this year is one of the finest popcorn matches maybe ever yeah it, it just said a crazy fireworks show. Uh, his candidacy is very, very strong, I think. And I would not argue with a single person who made an earnest point of Kenny Omega being the best in the world. And Moxley, you know, I, I would have said in 2020, encompassing everything from character work to promos to, to high level match quality, he did have, you know, a few matches that maybe didn't deliver. Uh, Jake Hager for one, there's a few others in there. Um, but every aspect of his performance including like how he presented himself and how he treated the belt i would have argued that john moxley was the best wrestler in the world he has perhaps you know his performance level hasn't fallen off but the spotlight changes and when your spotlight changes a little bit and you don't have you know best in the world opportunities it's harder to make that case for you um but moxley i think has just been tremendous again he's taken time off at the moment obviously because he's just had his kid shouts um but if you look at something like the 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 tag team title match, the Kingston and Moxley versus the Bucks. That's kind of what 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 makes John Moxley so special. His crowd connection, feeding off of that, his ability to present himself as this rugged folk hero who doesn't give an f. He's badass. He's he's cool without being corny. He's genuinely funny at times, um, and he's a really good wrestler as well. Contrasts perfectly with the Bucks in that match. But even like man, he had the great match with Josh Barnett at Bloodsport. Mm. Uh, he's had some other ones here and well. Like I thought. Honestly, I thought the barbed wire death match was great until until you know the the bad thing happened at the end of the show, which we've obviously dragged over hot coal several times. But I think John Moxley is a credible candidate as well. Uh, he's been uh, I've been in love with his work since he left WWE, and uh, I wasn't always a fan of him in WWE. So he's done a great job. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we've we've covered it at length. I guess the transition from um, not necessarily the very end of Dean Ambrose. There's some real gems there to find in 2019. Uh, <laughs> Night Raw, but certainly the bulk of the Dean Ambrose run versus who John Moxley very quickly became when he left. Um, yeah, he he's a he was a very different type of greatest wrestler in the world in a very different type of year. I look back on 2020 as needing the hero that John Moxley was. Like yeah. the the world at large, often like the best wrestler is a sort of reflection of society. Like you look at sort of a Steve Austin of the late nineties and the rock of the early two thousands is just perfectly mirroring where like culture was at generally speaking. And I think John Moxley was that in 2020 for wrestling fans, the darkest possible timeline in your real life. And then two hours on Wednesday night, there was one guy that you could basically cling onto to drag you out of the abyss. And it was John Moxley and he was the champion. And he was the top guy. 
it's been quite nice to see um, Omega like use that belt for evil because now what's happened is he's become a guy that is making you root for a different type of hero. We are all being allowed out of our house again. And you are looking, and I've, I've used this terminology before because AEW have put it in our lap. We are looking for a hero to ride in on a white horse and save the day from this comedic <laughs> supervillain and the, te- you know, Tina Pangman page to do it. But I just, I love, it's it's a theme running through this podcast and it's, it's not something we've like done on purpose. And we're going to get to another one in a second. I love the, for the first time in a long time, there seems a real symbiotic relationship between the best and wrestling's acknowledgement of the best with the belts. Like yeah. the standard bearers in a lot of cases are the ones with the belts. And that's great. Like a wrestling company should always be trying to at the very least acknowledge he's the best, but also reward them with this spot and with this prize. It's supposed to be the most prestigious thing. I love the Miz, but like the belt a toy when it's around the Miz's waist compared to when it's around somebody that you can argue as being the best. And speaking of belts around the waist of the best, let's talk about the beating heart of AEW's women's division and she's not even in it all the time and she's wearing the belt of a different company. Serena Deeb is a special talent not just because of what she does but because of how it almost went to waste. Um, WWE, uh, wrestling at large but WWE's you know, latent sexism and misogyny and ageism ultimately relegated Serena Deeb to a coaching role rather than putting her out there on Raw and SmackDown every single week. And thank God she got out of that system because we've seen in the, daring to be in the mid 30s, like <laughs> coming out there in a walking frame and still knocking out bangers. Um, Serena, like just a special talent. And thank goodness we're getting her. Yeah, yeah. She, Serena Deeb, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know is uh think how long she's been in our sphere of wrestling mm-hmm. think how long ago it was when when the straight edge society and you know coming back like years later. About 1920 when she was getting a head shaved doesn't it yeah Obviously. exactly it does yeah, like it, it feels like it happened before i was born think about all of this <laughs> stuff and then consider that she retired for a couple of years before coming back through the wwe think about that she was in the wwe system for three years just as a coach not wrestling um think about like the personal battles she's had and like her own redemption story through her problems with alcohol addiction and everything else it's like this incredible journey and yet serena deeb is two months younger than charlotte flair mad mad now yeah. Uh, and it's crazy to me to think that, man, we lost we lost all these years of, of potential greatness from this world-class talent, but we're getting them now, and that's the good thing. So the thing, the case for me with Serena Deeb, she doesn't have this list in 2021 in particular. She's been on the sidelines and everything else. She's, she's only had, you know, the one big AEW pay-per-view match. Um, she doesn't have this list of 12 four-and-a-half-star matches like some of our other candidates do that you can reel off and everything else. But she has that, for me, that Daniel Bryan-esque quality of being able to take any situation and squeeze as much juice out of it as absolutely possible. I'm not going to call her like a carrier or anything because I think that's very disrespectful to 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 the people she's faced and it's a term that is vastly overused. Um, but what she is great at is helping opponents present themselves as the best version of themselves. So examples of that would be in, in this year, uh, Red Velvet and, and Ty Conti in in AEW, she has helped lay out matches that have just maximized everything that's great about those two performers who are developing prospects, very exciting prospects and good wrestlers, but uh, but still developing prospects. And most recently in the NWA, where she where she had dropped the title, the NWA Women's title to Camille, was the perfect example of this because it was here's this less experienced 
wrestler in Camille who has some special qualities. She's got great presence, carries herself really well, but isn't quite there on the development curve yet. She will be at some point. Um, and it, it, it's a classic case of the veteran worker understanding what makes Camille so good and pushing those to the forefront. And look, if you want to talk high-level matches, let's just go to Double or Nothing and talk about that Rio yes, match. Please, can we? Sensational stuff. Absolutely. She obviously had the very good TV match with Rio earlier in the year that caught a lot of caught a lot of attention and everything else. But what was so impressive for me in that match was that there were there were a couple of couple of slips in that match and no no shade for that it happens people make mistakes but Riho had a couple of moments where like a little bit of timing was off or something slipped but it didn't impact the quality of the match whatsoever because these these two are just both so skilled that they're they can immediately adjust and transition into something different it was a tough situation walking out as the first people in front of that crowd they were surely fired up but when you get that fired up it's very easy to get too fired up yeah. uh, like we saw John Moxley's entrance when he kicked the chair halfway across the arena and the sun was beating down it was probably it looked like it was in their eyes for most of it and yet they they started that that pay-per-view off in perfect style I think that at 35 years old we've probably got about i feel like serena deep could do this until she's 80 honestly yeah she's, she's phenomenal i think that long term she's going to prove to be one of the most important AEW women signings because she's someone who can lift people up around her and i'm sure that even when her wrestling days are done or maybe she's doing it now she will be a huge asset as a trainer as well i have i have nothing but good things to say about serena deep man she is one of the best of the best I think it was. It's interesting when you mentioned the likes of the matches with Red Velvet, for example. And not to pick on, I, like I love Red Velvet. She like to it's use great. the journalism. She maximizes the minutes every single time she's out there. But one of the things that a like wrestling in general has lacked um, during the pandemic has been reps, of course. And a match with Serena Deeb is like four against somebody else. You yeah. get in a month's worth of shows because it just seems like you can gain so much from that, like from just working with somebody of her pedigree and her standard. The you're right. A really unique pressure of uh, working that like that kickoff match. Not even something that people are paying to see. Not something that was really heavily promoted until a few days before. It's a very different type of stage that you've got to take. And crowds, other than WrestleMania and other than here or there, you know, it's it's a new thing again. It's a, it's a novelty to have them back and just to watch like the orchestral conduction of an audience from a pro. So she comes out and she cannot hold back on how thrilled she is. And it's giving it the old, like, come on with the arms. And then remembers that she's ultimately got to play a heel against real. So she yeah. turns like that in the match and just like, seems to really relish the opportunity to do that as well. It was so fantastic to see somebody get to do that at such a, such a high standard. Um, We'll, we'll touch on this briefly, and then I want to like dive into your knowledge of things I, to my shame, haven't been able to really check out this year. Just really want to quickly touch on Will Ospreay, because it sort of feels like we'd be doing the theme of this podcast a disservice if we didn't. But I, I think yeah. we're on a similar page here. Um, Ospreay is a, a controversial figure, a bit of a lightning rod um, when spoken about. And it's... Certainly for me, I made it made a choice. I guess we cover wrestling for a living, so sometimes it is it's a requirement. Um, I didn't feel after sort of some of the events from last year and other recent things that I particularly wanted to watch Will Ospreay. So because he's not on Raw or SmackDown or NXT or AEW or things we cover as like as part of our remit here every week, he's somebody that I've like emotionally checked out of a little bit. However, lots of people haven't. And when he does work, and presumably this will return when he comes back from his neck injuries or whatever is kind of keeping him out, the same will be said. There is still critical acclaim to be yeah. found of a Will Ospreay match, despite maybe the grey area that a lot of people now find themselves in. He 
um, the match I think he had earlier this year that was getting was getting the sort of the six star buzz, which Shingo is match. yeah, with Shingo is rare enough, let alone in clap crowd in pandemic era, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a difficult one, um, but a lot of people still harbour the feelings they might have held five years ago for somebody that ultimately, like objectively, is still a prodigy. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, when I said earlier on the podcast that Shingo, for me, was like the number one in-ring wrestler of the year so far, I think a lot of people would argue Osprey, and uh, understandably so. Obviously, both of their best matches, you could argue, are against each other, and um, that makes a compelling case for both of them. But Osprey's obviously had the Ibushi match as well. Uh, you know, he's worked a bunch of high-level bits and pieces here. Now, the Zack Sabre Jr. match was particularly great, but they've, I mean, they've had... They've had amazing in-ring chemistry for about the, since the dawn of time. Um, stuff with Hiromu was like light years ahead of its time, wasn't it? That was like Spaceman wrestling. Right? Yeah, exactly. Video game stuff. Video mm. game stuff. But Osprey, to me, has has done... He has a really strong understanding of, of how to excel in the New Japan house style. He has developed such a strong grasp of, of that match layout and what beat comes after what beat and how to fit stuff into these bits that's going to that's going to pop every time. So if you're a New Japan fan and th- this style is is something you enjoy, and it is for me, absolutely, uh, you're you're going to lap this stuff up because it's 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 spot on. Uh, he's obviously done a really good job of adapting stylistically um, to you know the 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 rigors of being such a high impact wrestling uh, wrestler. He's uh, he's not going out and doing all these you know the stuff he did when he was younger. He's slowing down in spots and becoming a bit you know he's put on meat meat he's put on muscle uh, and everything else yeah and adapted his game and um the one level of disconnect with osprey for me however and this is the one thing that prevents me from calling him the best wrestler in the world and i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
it, 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 there is a bit of a disconnect between the character out of the ring and the character in the ring. So obviously he's turned heel. He's got the United Empire, which has been a great boon to New Japan in this period. It's done a great job to freshen things because that stable scene with Chaos and Bullet Club and LIJ and Suzuki Goon, it's, it's been stale for about four years. <laughs> so this has done a, a, a good job with Hanari and, and our personal favorite, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. <laughs> freshening things up but it doesn't reflect in his wrestling style a lot he doesn't often work as this uh heel character that he's portraying you know on television you know he's he's putting b priestley down with cutters which was a questionable angle for sure um and he's cutting these conor mcgregor promos i'd like to apologize for absolutely nobody but he goes and wrestles the match and it's like oh, a lot of this is calibrated for cheers and pop still. Yeah. And, you know, while he has slowed down in places, like I mentioned, it still feels to me like there's a bit of a gap between Osprey, the United Empire leader, and Osprey, the wrestler. And until that kind of comes a bit closer together, it's tough for me personally to call him the best in the world. But if you're able to compartmentalize and take one the good with the bad and everything else, or the good with the less good, I really should say. Um, I can absolutely see why he would be somebody's top wrestler in the world. And look, your comments on, on you know, outside of the ring stuff as well, I, I echo those 100% too, just to be clear. Mm, yeah. I uh, We're going to, in a WWE Raw style here, switch gears slightly. Mm. Um, the base represents some of the finest minds in the wrestling fandom. But your co-host is an ignorant turd. So <laughs> much shame. don't get to watch anywhere near enough um, stardom as I would like when it uh, feels like we are entering some sort of golden era for that company. I'll catch odd matches when they penetrate the discourse on the timeline, but it, it, it is what it is. It's still like in context of pro wrestling at large, it is a niche concern, and certainly in the West. Um, even though you can just tell, you can feel it, this is a promotion yeah. about to hit some sort of like critical apex. Um, and DDT as well, very much the same for all that there is a, a legacy of some of like the biggest popper gifts that you see online. It is itself like harvesting some of the like more incredible matches and moments that, again, sort of make it through um, some of the foggy, muddy takes in wrestling Twitter or on Reddit or whatever. But yeah, like it's kind of like open season for you here. Um, I want to say, tell the listeners what I really, what I really mean is, tell me who we should be looking at in 2021. So like, for me, like promotions like this have been kind of a haven, an island, uh, particularly throughout the pandemic, because you know you you become so used to certain house styles that you watch every week particularly when you cover them for a living and you have to watch every show that even the best house styles like new japan main event style for example you're gonna get burned out on every day so i, I think kyle o'reilly this weekend please keep it short please there you go 15 minutes please lads that that'll be nice oh, that'll be nice um, yeah, and I think that one of the most effective remedies to that is exploring and, you know, checking out different styles that are worked at different paces with different moves and, uh, you know, more freedom here and there and everything else. Um, stardom, it feels like, is having a moment at, right now. You know, their subscriptions are up. I think I read last week that they're projected to make around a million dollars in profit on their, you know, their streaming subscriptions alone, which is great. The roster is absurd. It really is ridiculous from top to bottom they've got 
so many exciting young you know 22 23 year old people who've somehow been wrestling since they were like 11 uh, <laughs> who you know in the very first match on the card who could go toe to toe with the best in the world anywhere else um their their big pay-per-views this year have been outstanding their in-ring standards are for me a cut above probably anything else um but there are you know there, there's a bunch of people i could shout out like Amumo watanabe or you know mayu Ibatani, who's the ace of that company just a phenomenal big bumping baby face um but maybe hasn't been spotlighted as much as my biggest highlight in that promotion this year who is uh utami Hayashi Shista, who just had the acclaimed main event with Shuri. They got loads of loads and hype, loads of hype. Uh, Dave Meltzer called it one of the best women's matches since the the, the All Japan Women era of Manami Toyota and Asher Kong and everyone else. He considers uh, that uh, like one of his favorite periods in wrestling by any company ever, doesn't he? Like that's the highest yeah. esteem period for Dave Meltzer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The big egg, uh, the yeah. big egg universe <laughs> uh, and all of that stuff. And um, that a ridiculous, crazy fight of a match with, you know, incredible selling, if it even was selling uh, from some of them, like the, the offense was so impactful. And if you haven't seen that match, I would urge you to go out of your way and track it down. It's uh, I, I never like using the word classic when when a match has only just happened, but it's as good as anything you'll see all year. Uh, Utami also had like an incredible match with B Priestley uh, on B's way out of stardom, a phenomenal title fight to close that chapter of Priestley's career. And, you know, Tammy's really young as well. Uh, she's only been at this professionally for a few short years. And she's kind of like a figure for me of that whole promotion. And I think the Joshi scene in particular for me, I've, I've loved following it. Uh, companies like Ice Ribbon and, and Seedling. Uh, wrestlers like Suzu Suzuki is another one elsewhere who's who's had a great year. But Stardom, almost in-ring standards-wise, it could be the new, the new New Japan in that regard for me. Sure. It's having a great year. And as these wrestlers season and progress and become better and better with time as the mind catches up with the body uh i think we're we're entering a really exciting era there and uh like a quick word for ddt the thing with ddt is the association with western fans in particular is hey blow up dolls and <laughs> men and all of that stuff. yeah there is that element to the shows as well but you can do what i do friends and skip the one match on the card every show that features that stuff fast forward 15 minutes when super sasadango machine is presenting his powerpoint presentation if you don't like it it's an easy solution uh the standout guys for me in that promotion this year um i mean Junakiyama is having a ridiculous title run it like you know and he's been wrestling since the dawn of time as well um yeah, but, yeah <laughs> it is crazy and kanusuke takeshita who had a brief run in AEW on dark and uh, dark elevation this year but for me yuki ueno is a guy who should be on everyone's radar your first impression when you see this guy, because he comes out and he's got nice hair, and because he's wearing uh, trunks that are, are white and gold and blue, is Kota Ibushi, straight away, because the attire is very similar and he's got nice hair. Um, but he's his own wrestler, 100%. He's one of the best baby faces working today. It's impossible not to rally behind him when he's selling and bumping and everything else. But he's a very creative and adaptable guy. He's had a great title run in DDT. Um, particular highlights for me coming against Yusuke Okada, who's a guy who dropped out of, forgive me if I'm wrong, Puro listeners, All Japan, um, and came into DDT and has really found a home of his own. 
he's just a great all-round pro wrestler, very creative working you know, styles and sequences that you won't see in other companies because the level of creative freedom at the upper echelon of DDT is so high. And look, DDT is another one. By the way, uh, you know, I always sound like a shill when I'm doing this, but uh, if you're looking for something different, man, the Wrestle Universe subscription, which encompasses DDT, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah and Tokyo Joshi Pro, which is having a solid year as well. It comes in off my bank statement at around £6 a month, uh, which I guess in US dollars is probably about $8 or so. It's a really good deal for someone who wants to try something differently. But Yuki Ueno deserves all the flowers. And uh, it seems like I put him over on every podcast we do. And uh, I'm glad of that opportunity. There should really be like a discount code, like labeled What Culture, where we get something off the top of that and then you get a 10% discount or something like that. <laughs> Like a free awesome YouTube video podcast drop in with your stream. Um, we'll circle back to where we started just a little bit because you, you know, I completely agree. We're right to make the point about um, you have to kind of look at Roman Reigns' comments within the context of what he believes all of pro wrestling to be because it's what he's doing for his job yeah. every single week. Um, I don't want to deride some of our favourites, but like, who would you have as the best of the rest in WWE? I don't mean the rest as derivatively as as that sounds. I just mean sort of aside from Roman Reigns, when there's so so little about that product that feels like it's really hitting at the moment. And there's so yeah. few like so few people that seem to get the opportunity on a regular basis, like some of the names we've already spoken about. Who yeah. would you say is still kind of managed to pull themselves out from that muck of avarice? <laughs> yeah, so it, it it's always tough because there's a lot of people on that roster who you could call, you know, top ten in their field of all time or whatever. Um but the fact is that WWE is not calibrated to give you the opportunity to always show that every week. So if you look at someone like Sasha Banks, who has the amazing, incredible, just a blockbuster movie of a match with Bianca Belair at, uh, at WrestleMania this year. Well, she's only had one of those, really, hasn't she, in 2021? And it's not because she isn't one of the greats. I believe, personally, that Sasha Banks is one of the best all-round wrestlers in WWE history. I've said that before, and I'll, I'll fight for that. Um, so she's not, not having that level of match you know, every month because she's not great. It's because someone else has come into the spotlight, and WWE hasn't made room for her or built the programs. Um, but she stands out immediately. She stands out in every conversation. She's... Phenomenal. She's a great all-round pro wrestler. But someone that, he's not with the company anymore. But Daniel Bryan, I thought, was having a sneaky good year. Sneaky good year. Obviously, you have high-level stuff. The main event, the WrestleMania Night 2 main event, is one of my favorite triple threat matches in a long time. And he was great in it. Saved the program. The feud wasn't clicking yeah. until Daniel came along. He's done it again. So he's a Mount Rushmore guy for me. Um, but if again, similar to Serena Deeb, if you look at his week-to-week, Having these like he had like a four minute match with Cesaro earlier this year, which is better than a lot of twenty minute matches I've watched this year. Because Daniel Bryan crams so much good stuff into everything he does, and I eagerly anticipate his next move. Um, but there are so many people out there. Like we're not honestly going to stand here and say that Io Shirai is a worse wrestler in twenty twenty one than she was in twenty twenty, because you know she she's had a few title matches that you know haven't maybe peaked as high as some of the ones before. Yeah. But it's that the way they've been presented is that who she's working with is everything else. I would put her in the conversation. Uh, yourself, Walter, uh, a perma pick for me. The Champa match is one of my favorites of the year so far. Great match with AK as well. Uh, Rampage Brown, uh, our old uh, WCBW guy, had a great match with Walter too. So there's there's a whole kind of like 
group of people in WWE, isn't there, who you could pick out? You could pick out Ricochet and go, on his day, this is the best wrestler in the world. Because on his day, he has proven that he can be that. Um, it's just that the window of opportunity isn't there. And, you know, I, I don't want that to be taken as me just blasting WWE, saying, ah, oh, they're, they're undermining their wrestlers. Um, I could make that point, but I'm not going to do it on this podcast. I'm just going to say that that house style isn't calibrated to generate that level of greatness every single week. And that's why you don't see it rather than, uh, you know, are they buried this guy? They have kind of buried Ricochet a bit, I guess. But you know what I mean? They do. They, I mean, yeah, they do bury, unfortunately. I, like, I think in a pandemic as well, it's particularly tricky because, you know, we like wrestlers aren't getting reps. So a lot of people that could get better as both followers and leaders aren't doing it. Um, so you're not seeing the rate of improvement that you would like. The performance center system still remains unproven, would be generous perhaps, um, as, as, a, as a talent development thing. It's like, you know, you're reading off names there, like Ricochet was one for me. Uh, like, I'm kind of a Bailey lifer, and it was just, like, nice at Hell in a Cell to see that, like, oh, like, given 15 minutes, she can do something very artful in, like, unfavorable circumstances. Them getting a Hell in a Cell match at, like, two days' notice... And like you could very clearly see what was intended for that match before a cell was put on top of it, and then what stuff a super experienced like worker like Bailey was able to apply to it. And I just think there are wrestlers that can shine. You know, in our little prep for this podcast, you mentioned the Young Bucks, and I think it like it had us round to the idea that there are so many because there are so many different ways to be the greatest in the world now. You know, it goes back to your point about. Like, I wouldn't say it's apples and oranges, but it's certainly like the, the gap is widening between what the different products are and what they represent. And I think that's why it is OK to say have three or four candidates because you're looking at the best in their field rather than the best in one thing as wrestling. And we just came to the conclusion that like wrestling's pretty great at the moment, standards wise. Yeah. Like we've had several years now driven, I would say, more than anything, probably by the like the indie boom of the mid 2000s and the new Japan boom of the sort of early 2010s, we are in a really, really long, like, like ascent in work rate period. Yeah. We, whenever you think you've seen a peak, someone tops it and then everybody else rises to that peak instead. And then it's on at the next one. It's on at the next one. Like if nothing else, like across all these different companies, I yearn for that to continue as a trend and not suddenly everybody flatten out and we just go through a period where everybody settles because it does it has been nice to see the bar keep getting raised when you just don't think it can go any higher yeah yeah oh 100 percent. i couldn't agree more in-ring standards are absurd you've got you can reliably tune in to one of i don't know like a dozen promotions around the world maybe even more when you think about all the different regions where you're talking uh, american wrestling lucha libre european wrestling japanese wrestling the emerging australian scene as well you can pop on a number of different promotions and know you're going to get some good stuff you're, you're going to get a higher level of standard uh, between the ropes than has ever been before and you know the past few years uh, the indies in particular have been very depleted uh wwe signing policy it is shifting now, but it has been. We need these people. No one else can have them. Give me you, 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 and you, and take that. And AEW has come along, and they've needed to sign people as well. And that led to something of a barren period for the indies uh, for a couple of years there, where it was quite rough. Um, you know, I, I like GCW. I have a fun time watching Game Changer Wrestling shows, but it's a different kind of appeal now, right? There's there's the, a lot of comedy stuff. There's a lot of deathmatch stuff. It's a different kind of show, but it does feel now 
So things are kind of swinging back around. And as it swings back around, standards are only going to get better and better. You've got emerging talents on the Indies. You've got your Daniel Garcias, uh, who I'm particularly fond of. You've got your uh, your Kevin Coos, your Dominic Greenies. There's all kinds of like up and coming people. Lee Moriarty's another one I'm very high on. Um, and now as well, you know, obviously people losing their jobs, terrible. WWE's reasons for this budget cuts. Okay, sure, you're more profitable now than ever before, whatever. But if you're looking for a silver lining in the recent cuts, it is that, look, a guy like Tommy End is going to be able to work the Indies now, potentially. And the younger people there, your Daniel Garcia's and your Lee Moriarty's are going to be able to work from him and learn and grow a new scene and build something new. And like this new fertile breeding ground of young talent is going to reemerge. And in the next four or five years, we're going to have another situation where the cards are going to be as stacked as an Evolve show years and years ago, where you look at the marquee and it was Keith Lee, and it was uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And it was Johnny Gargano and all these all-stars. And I'm getting a little bit off topic now. Um, but the fact is you can pick a best in the world contender from so many different companies and so many different scenes. Uh, the conversation is often limited to the scope of what people are watching. Uh, mm-hmm. And I hope today on the podcast, we've been able to broaden that a little bit and maybe encourage a few more people to go out and check some new stuff. But uh it's I, I like this discussion all the time. For me, it's never a binary of this guy is better than this guy and the, this woman's better than this woman or whatever, whatever. Um, it's always uh, looking at what they're doing in the context of their environment and everything else. And uh, yeah, what, what, what I'm trying to say is that, of course, obviously, The Butcher is the best wrestler in the world. <laughs> and I love him. I love Andy Williams. What a guy. I knew we'd get there in the end. I'm uh, I'm more of a blade guy, but I can tell the difference because his name's written on his ass. Um, East as well. Have you seen The Blade? He's really oh tough. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Before this podcast descends into us just being complete perverts, um, it is it is <laughs> a nice conversation to have. And we would love to hear from you too. Um, reply in the comments to this podcast at what culture WWE. Let us know who you think is the greatest pro wrestler. And if you really feel like you would like to, and why would you not? Why don't you reach out to us on Twitter too? You can follow Andy Murray on Twitter at you can follow me at Andy H. Murray. The H today stands for happy birthday to eternally the best wrestler in the world, Bret Hart. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you very much for that. You can follow me at Michael Hanflin, but don't do that. Go and wish Bret Hart a happy birthday. That's a better use of your time. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, uh, and we will see you soon.